Uh, God, thank you so much for giving us life and God giving us an opportunity like this. Uh, God, to be able to set aside time and, and worship, Father, we love you. And God, we ask that you would come now, Father, as we open up your book, Father. We pray that you would speak to us. Lord, we pray that you would do great things, God. We pray that you'd remove uh, distractions, God, and that you'd help us to, just to zero in, Father, on what it is that you want us to hear this morning, God. I love you. I love these men and women. And uh, God, time, God, together like this as your church, Father, is amazing. And Lord, I just ask that you would do a good thing this morning. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, uh, I'm encouraged um, to hear about last week. Uh, always great and awesome to be able to have Rusty come. Rusty is such a, a brother of mine and uh, such a gift to our church. I love that man, love catching up with that man, and uh, I got to see his outline. So I know that uh, I can always expect that Rusty's going to bring some good truth with, it, with, you, uh, with him and uh, share it with you, and I know that he did that last week, and I'm encouraged uh, to hear good things from all of you. Thank you, Drew, and uh, the team for, for leading, and uh, just uh, super good stuff. Um, staff had a, had a great weekend last weekend, uh, so we were we were holed up for two days. Uh, I didn't let them go out. I mean, we we didn't really leave the house hardly, um, but for two days we spent a lot of time together. It was actually the first time um, that, as an entire staff and with our spouses, um, that we had been together, all eight of us. Um, so it was an awesome time for us to to be together to kind of strategize and pray and think through a bunch of things and ask the Lord um, to give us. Uh, wisdom and direction for uh, just a long-lasting future of Mount Olive. So y'all continue to pray. Um, exciting things to come, and uh, thank you for praying for us, uh, those of you that did, and uh, it was a super good time for us. Um, now for today, um, I'm going to take you to a place in Scripture that the Lord has placed on my heart about today. And uh, so today I'm going to take you there, and uh, just to give you a little um, intro to where we're headed, um, I firmly believe that if you'll apply what we're talking about today, that you will be able to accomplish more things in your life. It's a pretty good boast, right? You'll be able to accomplish more things that you're involved in, whether they be work things, whether they be uh, church things, whether they be personal things, that you'll be able to accomplish more and actually feel better while you're doing them. Now, I realize that's a pretty big boast this morning, accomplish more and wow, and feel better while I'm doing it. Okay, I got to hopefully tune in this morning. Now, let me tell you at the outset about this message so this is one particular area in my life, there's a bunch, but there's one particular area in my life that I um, weekly, maybe more than weekly, um, really struggle and really struggle with this particular area. So a couple of years ago, I'm, I'm ashamed to say this, but I'll, I'll tell you about it. So um, several years ago, 20 actually, <laughs> um, 20 years ago, I, I got a book on this particular area. For those of you that know me up close, I love to read, I love to learn new things, lifelong learner, I just love to take in things, and uh, if anybody ever gives me a book, I take it down, I, I love it. Um, for those of you that, that used to know Mr. Harold McGinnis, Mr. Harold McGinnis, he always wanted to know, what are you into? And Mr. Harold McGinnis would say, well, you know, if you're into knives, there's knives that are going to show up outside your door, and I was into books, and Mr. Harold McGinnis, there would just be books showing up outside my door. Now, this particular book was nearly um, 20 years ago, and again, I'm an avid reader, I read a lot, but this particular book, I'm ashamed to say, was so incredibly convicting in my life. It is one of the, own, I think that there might be one or two others that were so incredibly convicting that I couldn't finish it. 
It was so incredibly convicting. It made me feel so bad as I was reading the book that intentionally, I didn't even, I knew it was good. It was one of those things, y'all know what I'm talking about, it's kind of like medicine sometimes. I know it's good. I, I mean, I know that I need to hear the truth that this particular book is communicating, but you know what I did with that book? I knew that I needed to keep it around, so I kept it, I shelved it, and it even moved with me. This morning, I was actually trying to find it to see if it still made it. didn't make it through the last move. I don't know how many moves it made with me, but I kept kept it with me because, again, I knew I needed the message, but I kept shelving it. Shame to say, but you'll know what I'm talking about when we get there this morning. Now, this, is, this particular area that I'm going to talk about is something that I believe that we all struggle with, particularly as Americans. Now, as Americans, I know this about you because I know it's true of me, and I know that it's true about almost every single American I know, is that we have this inside of us that's like a faster, faster, faster. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we get this thing going on with us, it's microwave, and you know, name it with all different things, and we think sometimes that if we do more, we'll accomplish more. Has anybody ever felt like that? And then you found out that end, you said, well, I didn't accomplish anything of what I set out to do. I did a whole lot more, but I didn't really accomplish more. Uh, maybe, maybe other things go like this. We, we, try to, we try to do more, but we end up completely Worn out. Have you guys ever tried to, to think that you can make more time? Isn't that a funny thing that we would even say? That I'm going to make more time? You know, we say things like, I'm going to make time for you, like we can make time, you know? Um, but <laughs> we can't make time. But I, I've found before that I'm trying to sometimes do more things, accomplish more things, do more, and I end up accomplishing less. And at the end of the day, I'm completely worn out. Try to do more, accomplish less. In Psalm 127, verse 2, we're not going there this morning, but in Psalm 127, verse 2, David says that in vain you rise early and go to bed at night. In vain you, you rise early and go to bed late. Sorry, got it the other way. In vain you rise early and stay up late. David was way ahead of, you know, burning the candle on both ends. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to try to take you into kind of this dilemma, I guess you could say. And um, we all know what happens, though, if we keep it up, right? If we keep it up and, you know, you describe it however you want. But many of us try to run at a pace that we can't sustain for the long time, right? It's unsustainable. We try to keep going at it, but we can't. And if you keep going, and those in the room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you've continued to run like that before, eventually you will run yourself ragged eventually you may even do this you may run 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 drive 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 accomplish 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 do 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 and eventually you run yourself in the ground some of you would even stand up today and say yeah Blake I know exactly what that's like and let me tell you about run 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 let me tell you what it feels like when you hit a brick wall anybody hit a brick wall recently and when when you hit a brick wall it's not always obviously a literal wall but it's like a dead end you run and run and run, and it's almost like a collapse. Some of, some of you, that collapse actually happened, and you went into a hospital bed. Now, this morning, where we're going to go is I, I believe there's a better way. Uh, thank the Lord there is a better way. And we're going to look at a particular group of people that were running around like ants. Y'all stirred up an ants, ants uh, hill in, in a while. You know, you run them over. It really, it's terrible if you run over them with a weed eater. You know, not, not only are they going up your leg, but they're also shooting all over the place, and they're just stinging all the way. This particular group of people, they were just like ants all over an anthill, running all over the place. 
But the Lord patiently intervened. The Lord came in, and the Lord showed him an alternative. And this morning, I want to share with you the alternative. So um, if you've got a copy of the scriptures this morning, go with me to Exodus 16. Exodus 16. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures with you, there's some on the back of the pew uh, in front of you, and it's page number 64. Page 64 or Exodus 16. Now, the more I read scripture, the more I know that they are divinely inspired, meaning that God put them together. Now, if, if people would have put the scriptures together, I can tell you what they would do, Tyson. You know what they would, they would if, if we put the scriptures together, we would take out every single thing that makes us look bad, right? And there, there are so many things in scripture that make, some of time, sometimes even the, the very writer of the book, it makes them look bad, but they didn't omit it. Um, God used them, and God used them to, to pin along the scriptures. And I mean, if you could just imagine, how would you feel if you got to be the example of what not to do? Right? Pretty exciting, isn't it? And that's exactly what happens in Exodus 16. It's one of those kind of examples. So for a lot of Exodus, you guys know this, there's a lot of traveling that happens. There's a lot of moving around that happens. And uh, it would have actually been a lot shorter if they would have obeyed God's instructions, but they didn't. Uh, trust and obey would have helped them out. So anyway, it ends up being a pretty long book because they didn't get it. Uh, chapter 16, uh, verse 1, and we're going to jump right into a lesson that we all need to learn. Verse 1. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the fifteenth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Do you know how to test yourself for discontentment? This is going to really help maybe all of us out this morning. Do you guys know how to test yourself for discontentment? The way that you test yourself for how discontent you are is to listen to the words of complaint that come out of your mouth. That, that's how discontent we are. Okay, listen, I know this is hard stuff to talk about, but if you can think through the things maybe that you've complained about recently, really, if you trace down all the way back to where that complaint was coming from, where it's coming from is that you are not satisfied with your current circumstances, your current position in life. You're not happy about it, so you start to talk about it, you start to complain about it. Discontented people turn into complaining people. Complainers are always discontent. The root of discontentment, actually, if you follow it back, it always goes back to a lack of trust in what the Lord has, has given us all around us. So, so if you want to do your test and go home and figure out, you know, you know how uh, much of a complainer you are, you could take the test and it goes like this to tabulate the results. It's pretty easy. The more you complain, the more you're discontent. The less you complain, the less you're discontent. So again, if you think through the thing that you've been complaining about most recently, you could probably trace it to some certain things, right? Maybe, maybe you're not too happy with the behavior of a certain person who's around you, so you start to talk about that person's behavior, right? Maybe it's a certain work situation, right? We've all got those, right? It's a work situation. You say, man, I wish they wouldn't do that, and I wish they would do that. And you're discontented with your particular work situation. So what springs out of your mouth comes out of the well, the well of discontent. Out of the top of the well comes complaining. Maybe it's a school situation. Maybe it's a whole number of things. But guess what? If you trace it all the way down, 
it goes to discontentment. These guys were not happy with the particular status and the particular place that the Lord had placed them in life. And they were probably asking questions, you know, if only, like we do, right? If only this person would behave like I want them to behave, right? If only my son or daughter would. If only this particular work situation. And then, if only, and then we could fill in the blank, and then the magic word would come. The magic word is, then I would be happy. Then I would be, I'd be content. Now, we smile, and we say, well, you know, I'm like, I'm just kind of one of those Eeyores, okay? I mean, don't give me a hard time, Blake. I mean, I'm, I, you know, I'm just an Eeyore, and I'm just like going to play it. Listen, listen, listen. If you trace it all the way back, it goes back to some form of discontentment. And before you write me off and say, Blake, I'm just one of those kind of people, discontentment will lead you to say and do some crazy things. And that's exactly what happens next with these guys. They say some crazy things. Look at verse 3. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. (laughs) We would rather have chains on us and be able to eat steak. I mean, come on. We kind of liked where we were, and it was amazing. And y'all, this hadn't even been that long. I mean, y'all know that there's going to be a really long travel that happens across Exodus. We're not very far in. I mean, just two chapters back in Exodus 14, they've just crossed the Red Sea. I mean, we're talking about, this isn't like the complaining came, you know, on year three, year four. I mean, we've just started the journey, and they're already discontented with the particular situation the Lord gave them. And in chapter 15, they're singing a song. You know, and the song is, Lord, thank you so much for helping us across the Red Sea. You're amazing. You're awesome. Chapter 16. Lord, wish we would have died back there, because at least back there, even though we were in slavery, we had steak. I mean, it's really hard. I know it's really hard for us to see the own, our own drama that we create in our lives. The discontentedness that's a part of us, and sometimes it becomes so ingrained in us, we can't even see it, and out comes our complaints. But again, if you can grab those complaints and trace them all the way back, you'll find that there's discontentment that's settled into your heart. Now, if you were God, and you had just rescued these people, you'd taken them across the Red Sea, you've gotten them out of Egyptian slavery, and then, all of a sudden, they start complaining about their particular situation. If you were God, what would you give these people? I can tell you this, you would not give them what God gave them. Verse number four, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold! I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. I mentioned these verses, if you remember, a couple months back when I was talking about tithing. Do you guys remember that? I was talking about tithing and talking about how we can trust the Lord, that we can live on 90% and the Lord wants our first 10% and that the Lord always, he does this multiplying kind of effect, but it takes, boy, if there's an area in life that really takes a lot of trust, it's with our finances. But in this particular area, it's a different way of trusting the Lord. And the Lord sets out a plan for these guys. The plan goes like this. I'm going to give you a daily portion of bread for six days. And on the sixth day, I'm going to give you enough to last 
for the seventh day, but you're going to have to trust me. That sounds like a great plan, doesn't it? Just do what the Lord says and the Lord's going to come through, but it takes trust. Because all of a sudden, there's going to be food coming. They didn't have food, and then they were upset about not having food. And the Lord says, I'm going to bring food, probably Cracker Barrel biscuits, okay? I mean, I'm just imagining, okay? I mean, they're going to be buttered Cracker Barrel biscuits coming down from heaven. And they're, I mean, can you imagine with me? I mean, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. Verse 6, so Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, at evening, you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Reminders, okay? This is, we all need reminders. Remember the Egypt that you came from. Remember what the Lord delivered you from. Verse 7, and in the morning, get this, you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? Moses and Aaron were very clear, and they were saying, hey, we are just, we are just delivering the mail here, Okay? We're just communicating the message. What does it mean to see the glory of the Lord? It means that the weight of God's presence was somehow going to be visible to them the next morning. The Lord is so good. He doesn't just give a command, and a command that's going to take a lot of trust, but the Lord gives a, a testimony of trustworthiness. In some form or fashion, we don't know exactly how the Lord was going to do it because Scripture doesn't tell us, but they were going to see the glory of the Lord. They were going to know the presence and the weight of God's glory, and it was going to happen right in front of them. And the Lord makes good on his promise. Verse 8, and Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, come near before the Lord. For he's heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Now, by the way, you guys already caught this because I've already mentioned a couple times and it's so clear here in Scripture. This is a gracious modification of what the Lord had already given. I mean, the Lord already said, cracker barrel, bis I mean, manna, okay? The Lord already said, I'm going to give you manna. I'm going to give you bread from heaven. In a gracious modification is the Lord is going to give bread in the morning and he's going to give meat in the evening. He's going to give them way more than they ever deserve. Isn't the same true of us if we're really honest? If you really think about your situation in life, listen, I, I get it. You've you got some things that you, you wish that weren't there and you wish that they were different. But listen, if you're really honest and you think over the course of your life and you think about some things you got going on in your life right now, and we just started talking about things that we're thankful for, I'm telling you, I know that you could come up with a really long list. And a list that's way longer than all of our, our disgruntled remarks that we may want to say to the Lord. I mean, just to think alone, the enslaving Egypt of our sin that we couldn't get away from, and that the Lord pursued us 
in whatever form. Maybe it was a mom, dad, maybe it was a pastor, maybe it was a friend. And the Lord pursued us. And the Lord rescued us from the enslaving power of sin and broke those chains so that we could go free. I mean, really, if you think about the goodness and the mercy of God, it way outnumbers all the things that we would throw back. But this chapter would have been a lot shorter if it would have stopped there. This chapter would have been over and we would have been done and we would have said, just be like those guys. But thankfully it went on so that we can learn from those guys. And it did go on. Verse 13. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. It's a good thing to say, right? And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer, which is just a way to measure grain at, at the time, according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered, some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whether gathered much, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it till the morning. Key word right here, but they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning. Why would they leave it till the morning? You guys probably know. They thought maybe the Lord wouldn't make good on his promise the next day. They thought, well, maybe, I mean, it's an endless buffet today. And boy, wouldn't you, you know, don't you wish you had a to-go box, right? At some of the, the best buffets you ever had. Well, come on, I mean, I just I already have it on my plate. And it's kind of like that. Can I, just, can I just load up, Lord? Because I'm just not really sure if it's going to come down tomorrow. And here's what happened. It bred worms and stank. That's what it says. And it bred worms and stank. <laughs> and Moses was angry with them. Why was Moses angry about people doing a little more? Why was Moses upset that they were working a little overtime? Why was Moses upset that they were doing a little bit more than everybody else? Moses was angry because they're doing a little more. They're getting a little extra. They're running around like ants and not trusting that the Lord would come through tomorrow was revealing a lack of trust. And their lack of trust would lead to them living at an unsustainable pace. The Lord set the terms for the, for the provision. The terms for the provision were, you're responsible to obey this command and I'm going to come through for you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be there tomorrow morning with bread, and I'm going to give you, by twilight, I'm going to give you steak. It's going to be amazing. You just stick with me. You trust me. And the next verse continues with the same. But if you skip down with me a little bit further, the Lord gets to the crux of it all in verse 28. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? We got it, Lord! We just gather a little bit every day, and then on the sixth day, we gather up a little bit extra, and, and then you're closed on the seventh, kind of like Chick-fil-A, kind of like quality foods, okay? you got to plan around it. You gather up a little bit extra. It's just the way that it's going to work. But y'all, this was not about the bread. 
This wasn't about the quail. Even collecting too much, really. The issue was deeper. Verse 29. See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. The Lord was all about the seventh day. The Lord was all about the seventh day because the, Lord, the, because the seventh day was all about the Lord. But Lord, we got so much to do. Lord, I don't know if you forgot, but we're not where we're going to end up. Lord, this is not our forever home. Lord, I don't know if you, you forgot what happened, but we just left Egypt, you know. We were in chains back there. And I don't know if you remember, Lord, but we're living in tents. Lord, are you seeing our situation? Lord, we're just, we don't have time to set one day aside while we're in the middle of travel. I mean, that'd be crazy. We've got to keep going. We'll rest when we get there. Resting is going to take trust. The commandment to rest was God's way of getting people to be healthy. It was God's way of getting people to be refreshed. It was God's way of saying, stop. I want you to remember what this whole journey is all about. Stop. I want you to remember this whole thing. It's not necessarily just about the promised land. It's about me. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter that you're living in a tent. Look with me at verse 23. This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest. A holy Sabbath to the Lord. Holy Sabbath to the Lord. If I could sum it up, I would sum it up like this. I put this on the screen for you this morning. Your very best and the Lord's solemn rest They go together. I'll just stick that on the screen for you this morning. Your very best. That you want to accomplish more. You want to do more. You want to be everything that God wants you to be. Your very best. And the Lord's solemn rest. They go together. They go together. Now, Blake, what are you talking about? I mean, uh, why? I mean, (laughs) Blake, they're in the desert. (laughs) Really, you think that they're supposed to just stop in the middle of everything they got going on? And I mean, it's just a really inconvenient time. You know what I mean? Lord, we got a lot of balls rolling right now. We got a, a lot of plates that we're trying to keep moving. I mean, God, I'm trying to get ahead. I mean, I'm trying to finish school. I mean, I'm trying to get you know further along in my job. I've got so many things going on in my family right now. God, don't you know, we just, we're on the way to the promised land. Y'all, this was so incredibly important to the Lord. It was so important to the Lord that the Lord has them do something that's going to set a landmark. You know, there's times where the Lord does something that's just completely out of the normal, and God does that because he doesn't want us to forget it. And he does it here. God, this is amazing. You've got to see this. Verse 32, Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer, okay, y'all remember what an omer is, it's just a way to measure grain, okay, so it's a small portion they got in their hand. Take an omer, which at this point, everything is kind of almost like disappearing at the end of every day, right? If you store up too much, you're going to have worms, your house is going to get smelly, so up until this point, this amazing thing, a God phenomenon is happening with the extra omer every day, and then on the sixth day, they could gather enough that would last the next day, which again, that's amazing. But something else is going to happen with this particular omer. It's going to last even longer than all of that. Moses says, commanded from the Lord, let an omer of it 
So take a little bit of that grain to be kept throughout your generations so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, all right, here we go, take a jar and put an omer of manna. So this measurement of manna, I want you to put that in the jar and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna 40 years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. The Lord was setting up the very first message in a bottle. The Lord was setting up a reminder that would be in front of them over and over again. And the reminder was that your very best and the Lord's solemn rest that he wants for each one of us, they go together. It's the point of these verses. How how do I get more healthy, Blake? How do I get things in order? How do I get to where, like you said at the beginning, how can I accomplish more by doing less? I'm telling you, this is an area, like I said at the beginning, that involves trust. And it's so difficult for every single American, is it not? Because every single American that I know says, well, I just, we just got to do more. We just got to fight a little bit more. We got to dig a little deeper, right? We just got to advance, advance, advance. And the Lord says, no, no, no. I'm going to do what I'm going to do inside of you. I'm going to accomplish what I'm going to accomplish inside of you. But I've got a command, and it's for your good. It's for you to be able to do the very best God wants for your life. But you're going to have to be involved in solemn rest. Last time I checked, we're headed to a promised land as well. See the similarities? Last time I checked, we're headed to a place called heaven. Last time I checked, I got a bunch of things in my life that I want to accomplish. You probably have a bunch of things that you want to accomplish in your life. Maybe it's with family. Maybe it's with work. Maybe it's hopes and dreams that you have for God's church. You've got things in your life that you say, I want to see this happen. And God's saying, I'll do it. I'll accomplish it, but I want you to trust me. When the word says solemn, it means that we cease our activity. It means that we come to a stopping point. And again, I'm telling you, I know that this is difficult for maybe every single person in the room. This is hard for us. Stop. Yes, stop your regular activity and pause. Now, it doesn't mean that we pause and we hum and we, you know, do nothing. It means that we pause and we stop. We celebrate God's goodness. We ask God to refresh our souls. We ask God to get us focused on the task that he has for us. Your very best and the Lord's solemn rest, they go together. So what's your excuse for not entering into God's solemn rest? They had a good one, y'all. They just left Egyptian slavery. They got places to go, right? They want to get as far away as possible. What's our excuse? Because they're in the middle of travel, and the Lord says, solemn rest required right here in the middle of the desert. Doesn't make sense. Yes, you're living in tents, but solemn rest is required. You say you can't afford to rest. You say you can't afford to take a little bit of time off. But the Lord is showing that you can't afford not to. 
from Scripture, y'all. This is hard, but y'all, if you just took this particular principle, this particular area, and you talk to a lot of people, they would say, yeah, this affects every area in your life. And I, I got a couple of quotes that I jotted down that I want to show you this morning. One of them is from a pretty, pretty wise guy, a pretty smart guy. His name is Benjamin Franklin. A couple of you might know him. He invented a couple really important things. Benjamin Franklin said this, he that can take rest is greater than he that can take space. Wow, that's saying a lot, isn't it? He that can take rest is greater. If you talk to a physician or you talk to a doctor or you talk to a physical trainer, people would say, well, yeah, your body's made to rest. You got to stop sometimes. If you're running 100 million miles an hour all the time, your body is so weak that not only are you going to catch everything that everybody's got, your muscles are not going to be able to repair themselves like they need to repair themselves, and you're going to have all kinds of injuries just because you don't stop. Leonardo da Vinci, pretty important guy, you know, painter, mathematician, scientist, engineer, musician. I mean, he did just a couple things. Leonardo da Vinci, he said this, every now and then, go away. Have a little relaxation for when you come back to your work, your judgment will be sure. The Lord does you a favor, y'all. The Lord does you a favor because he's actually creating the pattern for you. Good night. You and I know we would never set aside time for rest if it was up to us, would we? No, we keep rolling and keep going and keep driving and keep going and pressing. Never. But the Lord's done you a favor. The Lord says at least once a week, I want you to stop. I want you to cease activity. I want you to focus on me. I want you to keep everything right. And God set that pattern up for us. And you could go further and say that the Lord wants you to take care of yourself daily and get the right amount of sleep. There was a Roman poet of the day during the time that the New Testament was written. His name was Ovid. Ovid writes something very similar to what we see in certain places in Scripture. Maybe he got his idea from there. I don't know. But Ovid wrote this. He said, take rest. A field that has rested gives a bountiful crop. <laughs> your mind, your soul, your heart, your very being needs and requires rest. If your life is out of whack, it's because probably you need some rest. There's a reserve that happens in our body that God has a way of preparing us for maybe an emergency to come. And if we're not resting, we won't be ready. Those are just a couple benefits. But aside from all that, y'all, it's a command. <laughs> One question today. When will you practice solemn rest? When will you practice solemn rest? Maybe you need to change the way that you view the Sabbath. Okay, listen, I'm not going to get technical, and don't try to get, don't get legalistic, okay? You don't have to send me an email about how, well, actually, the, the Lord's Day is, is now. And the, listen, I, I know, I know. In, in, the, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, we kind of did a transition there, and it was a good transition. After the resurrection, we celebrate the Lord's Day. I like the first day a whole lot even better than the seventh day, but, y'all, the point is still the same. We need a Sabbath. Every single week. And the Lord sets that pattern for us. So what I'm asking you is what could you do different on the Sabbath? And I'm just asking you this question. Is the Sabbath any different for you other than coming to church? What do you mean, Blake? I'm talking about, I'm not judging. 
I'm talking about homework. I'm talking about office work. I'm talking about emails. I'm talking about every other form of work that we just take right into. And we say, so we just keep going, keep going, keep going. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? It's all going to fall. Just asking the question, is there anything that we could do different when it comes to practicing solemn risks? When I was talking to my daughter about this, um, sometimes Markley just helps me be able to see it black and white. And I was talking to Markley, and it was such a wise saying that I thought that I would quote her and I would share it with you this morning and put it on the screen for you, actually. I was talking to Markley about this, and Markley just said, well, Daddy, Sunday is the Lord's day, not your day. Man. The wisdom. You're right, honey. That's the way to put it. That's so good. It's not my day. It's the Lord's day. And if it's the Lord's day, why do I keep living like it's my day? And i got to do all this stuff to get myself ahead and advance. And what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Again, what could you do different? How could you practice different the way that you do the Sabbath? And let me just go ahead and tell you, y'all, this takes trust. Why, Blake? Why does it take trust? Let's just talk about on a daily basis. Do you guys know, I mean, roughly, people differ on this, but roughly we need about eight hours of sleep, okay? And I'm not going to do a a hand uh, up who's getting their right amount of sleep, okay? I can already tell that. I'm just kidding, okay? Um, Right amount of sleep. But if you, let's just say eight hours. We're talking about a third of your day, right? Third of your day. Well, Blake, I could accomplish so much more if I had 33.3% more, Right? That's what we think, right? I'm just, if I drive, 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 33.3% more, I will accomplish more. Y'all, doesn't rest take trust? Because what you're having to do, at least with finances, we're just trusting the Lord with 10%. The Lord is saying we need to rest more. And if you just take 10% of your day to sleep on, we need to talk, okay? Come see me after the service. We need to talk about the rest that you need. We need more rest. We can trust the Lord with the other 66.6% of our day. We can trust the Lord enough to rest and stop and cease. Again, that's just talking about on a daily basis. The wisest person that I know on this subject, the absolute hardest worker I have ever met in my life, I quote her. That's my wife, okay? So I'm, I'm quoting the two girls in my life today. Quote from my wife. Make a complete, make a list. Complete all you can. Trust the Lord with the rest. Make a list, honey. You can do it. Just make a list and all the things you got to do. And I know that it's a big list and it's a, it's a long list. And you got a note that just scrolls on and on and on and on and on and on. You guys ever do that? You have such a long list in your notes that you don't ever even get to the bottom of it. Okay, that's me. But, but my, my old sweet wife says, just make a list. Complete every single thing that you can. And trust the Lord with the rest. Family. Brothers and sisters, I say this in love. You are not indispensable. Why in the world do we live like we are? I'm just as guilty as you are. I said that I really struggled to read that book, okay? Y'all, I still hadn't finished it. We are not indispensable. God can use another person. God can go a different route. All of your business does not rise and fall on you. Your school does not rise and fall on you. Your grandkids do not rise and fall on you. You are not indispensable. But our trust in the Lord 
Lord, help us be able to believe that we're able to rest. So I'm just asking you today, would you give it a try? I'm just talking about for the rest of the day. I'm not even talking for 24 hours, okay? It's already, it's almost noon, okay? We're not, we're not out just yet. It's almost noon. Preacher is about to wrap up, and you're going to have the rest of your day. I hope that you're coming to grow groups tonight, though, because they're going to be awesome, okay? But side note, you're going to have the rest of your day. Would you try even just for the rest of this day, so it's not even a full Sunday, just for the rest of this day, some of the things that you feel like you've got to do, can you do it tomorrow? Stick it on a note. If you've got to remember it, write it down, put it aside, and say, hey, today I'm just going to stop. I'm going to cease from my normal activity, and I'm going to ask the Lord to help me accomplish everything I can instead. And maybe if I go so far as to say, maybe, maybe it's going to take a little bit more planning. I get it. Maybe you didn't plan like that. Maybe tomorrow morning something really big is coming up, and if you don't do, it's going under. I'm not saying to let everything go under. I'm just saying sometimes it might take a little bit of planning. But maybe today there's some things that you could drop. But maybe you could plan a little bit more in advance and prepare for the Sabbath. Maybe prepare for next week. I'm not doing those things. I know that I usually do those things on every other single day. Not getting legalistic, but I'm telling you, I'm going to focus. The Lord says that I should honor the Sabbath by keeping it holy. I should set it apart. I'm going to go ahead and plan and prepare that I'm doing my Sunday a little bit different. There's some things I'm going to set aside. I want to be refreshed. I want to be rejuvenated. I want to get the strength that God wants me to have to follow Him and accomplish what I need to to the fullest. And y'all, it will take us having some solemn rest. There's really no telling because we don't know. There's really no telling what the Lord could accomplish more through us if we would trust him with this area. But it's hard, isn't it? See, when you say it's in my hands, do you know what you're doing? You're taking it out of God's hands, right? Taking it out of God's hands. My encouragement to you this morning is to trust the Lord with your time. I preach the message to myself. I've got some things that I need to adjust in my own life in this area. Join with me. Let's ask the Lord to help us to be more guarded about solemn rest. Because I'm telling you, we will see our very best happen if we'll enter into solemn rest. But it's going to involve trust. Father, thank you so much for this morning. God, thank you so much for your truth. Even when it's difficult, Father, I pray that you'd help us to uh, absorb your word, to take in your word. God, to think about these things. To evaluate our lives through the grid of your word. And out comes wisdom. God, give us wisdom in this area. I love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.